Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app series XM channel 80 and on ESPN Plus. I'm Amber Wilson. He's Nick Friedel. We are filling in for the guys. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Are you offended, Nick? Amber, we've heard that twice so far, and I've been I'm getting more offended each time we hear the little soundbite because yeah, as a proud son of Orlando, Florida, there's plenty of good stuff going on in Orlando. They got Bancaro, Fultz is go. coming back. Come on, there's there's some pieces there, right? Also outside of basketball, you know, Disney, sure. Winter Park, it's a lovely place. So. Thank you. There's Altamont more than just Springs. Disney. What do I got? We Lake do Mary? Love Disney. I don't know. <laughs> Orlando, stand up. Also, Kevin Durant stand up. I don't think the Orlando Magic are getting Kevin Durant, but maybe a new team will. Of course, just last year he signed, what, a four-year deal with the Brooklyn Nets. But now that Kyrie Irving looks like he could be on the move, certainly not a given, but the Nets have given Kyrie permission to seek a sign and trade. So we are wondering, does Kyrie opt in by Wednesday? Would he get traded? If he does so, is somebody out there willing to be a trade partner with the Brooklyn Nets? Maybe the Los Angeles Lakers. But for the sake of this conversation, Nick, let's pretend Kyrie is on the move. He's done. He's done his time in Brooklyn. Now we're talking KD and a Ben Simmons who hasn't played basketball in a really long time. If you're Kevin Durant, what do you do if Kyrie's on his way out? Amber, I've learned through the years that every time I try to put myself in Katie's shoes, that is not a great place to be because only one person knows where he wants to go and what he may want to do. But what I would tell you is this. If you're trying to piece together what may happen if Kyrie does indeed leave, I'd tell you that even in the last week or so, talking to people within that next organization, their hope is that they can get Kevin to stay that they can say to Kevin Durant we will continue to build around you you saw just like we did how much of a distraction not only last season but the last couple years have been with Kyrie we feel we're better off because the culture is in a healthier place now whether or not Kevin agrees with that we will find out but there is absolutely optimism in that Brooklyn organization that if it comes to it and Kyrie leaves, that they can still keep Kevin. With that being said, the reality is with KD being 34 years old and going into that year, Amber, his prime just is not going to stretch too much longer. So if you're Kevin Durant and you want to win another title, is the best place for you in Brooklyn with Ben Simmons, who, as you, you noted, we haven't seen much from, and a, a bunch of other pieces that may fit but aren't going to get you to that next level or is it somewhere else and only Kevin has the answer to that but if you're trying to figure out what the next move may be the reality for Kevin Durant is stars don't like not even so much a rebuild year but a year in which they can't win a title and as good as Brooklyn still could potentially be with Kevin Durant and Ben Simmons at the forefront 
their window to win a title again wouldn't open till next summer when some of the room on the salary cap would come off and you'd be able to potentially add another big piece. I saw what KD was able to do basically by his darn self if he had had smaller shoes on the season before this past, right? But then this past season, I saw a healthy Kevin Durant and Kyrie in the playoffs. I know that we talked a lot about Kyrie not being available for an entire season. Fine, but they were available in that first round, and it didn't look pretty. So it's hard for me to imagine that the Nets have enough if they just have Kyrie or they just have KD, even if Ben Simmons ends up being, you know, the elite defender that we um, remember Ben Simmons being, and we haven't seen that man play basketball in quite some time now. So if I'm KD, I'm looking at the situation, like you just said, where gives me the best opportunity to win a title soon. (laughs) And I mean, if we're talking now, forget it, but even soon, like if the Nets were to do a sign and trade with the Lakers, then maybe they get back a Lakers, you know, 2027, I think first rounder is it in return, right? Like whatever they get back, it's not like they're going to trade Kyrie and get a player back. That's Kyrie Kyrie's caliber. I mean, I guess we can talk about the Russell Westbrook aspect of this, but I don't think anybody feels great about that addition. And reportedly the Nets also are not very interested in bringing Westbrook over to the Brooklyn Nets. So, I would imagine that KD is looking at the landscape and realizing in Brooklyn, I would maybe have to be a little too patient if Kyrie is leaving. Christian Winfield, the Nets reporter for the New York Daily News, was on Barton Hahn earlier. He discussed what KD might do. I think a lot of this has to deal with what Kyrie is doing with his player option, right? He's got until Wednesday to decide if he's going to opt in or if he's going to opt out and test real free agency or if he's going to opt in and play for that year and, and, and really see what's going to happen. I think part of him also wants to see what the Nets are able to get back in the event that they do trade Kyrie. If you're able to trade Kyrie to the Clippers, for example, and you're able to get Robert Covington, Norman Powell, and, and Reggie Jackson, maybe Marcus Morris in that deal as well, I don't think that's necessarily a bad idea. I think that's adding depth. I think he really wants to see what how the dust settles here before he makes any decisions. But I'm told he is definitely watching. I'm told he is definitely considering what his options are in the event that Kyrie is not on this team anymore. And if Kyrie is not on this team past July 1st and the Nets aren't getting some type of star or some substantial return for him, I, I'm not sure Ky- uh, Kevin Durant sticks around to see what they're able to do. And I just can't imagine them getting some sort of star, real star, in return for KD. I mean, in return for Kyrie. Like, sure, maybe some depth, Nick. But who's going to sign up for giving away a star for, frankly, an unreliable Kyrie Irving? That list is not long, Ms. Wilson. And that is the problem with where the Nets stand and even more with Kyrie trying to figure out where he has leverage. Because, again, the reality is he just doesn't have a lot of it. If you're Kevin Durant, and you are not sold on the long-term future of the Nets, and the nuclear option hits in Brooklyn. Amber, if you're KD, to me, there's only two teams that would get you close to where you thought you, you were getting in Brooklyn, and that's Phoenix and Miami. Because if you plug Kevin Durant on a team with Jimmy Butler in Miami or Devin Booker in Phoenix, You could figure out the rest, and especially with the Heat, they have a ton of depth. They've got to figure out what's going on with P.J. Tucker. What exactly would you give up in a a deal if you were trying to acquire KD, and what would you try to hold on to 
but both Phoenix and Miami are two teams that are right there with needing one more star. And there is no bigger star to me, aside from Giannis, than Kevin Durant, who could come onto your team and take you to the ultimate level. So if you're trying to figure out what may happen, not only in the next couple days with Kyrie, but what may happen with Kevin in the future, the reality is you have got to think about where he may fit best and how badly he wants to win a title right away. If he wants one going into next season, Brooklyn won't be the place Miami and Phoenix would be. Every time you talk about the Miami Heat, my little Miami Heat heart just flutters. Uh, But the problem with my Heat is they don't have the draft picks to trade away. If, in fact, that's what Brooklyn wants in return. It all comes down to, of course, what the Nets would want in return. They would want some sort of haul. Would they be looking at a haul like, you know, young, maybe potentially budding stars, like, I guess, the Tyler Heroes of the world, the sixth man, you know, of the year kind of thing? Or are they looking at trying to acquire a whole bunch of picks to build through the future of the draft if they're going through a full rebuild. Um, And that's something that not all teams certainly have. So we will continue to unpack this situation with Kyrie Irving and the Brooklyn Nets. Would Kyrie and LeBron really want to play together again? Or is this just a negotiating tactic on the part of Kyrie Irving? We will unpack that next. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Amber Wilson and Nick Fidel filling in for the guys on KT and Carlin on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive Commercial Insurance protects small businesses with affordable coverage options. Quote today at progressivecommercial.com. Nick Woge is reporting, citing ESPN sources. That outside of the Lakers, there are currently no known teams planning a pursuit of a sign and trade. 
for Nets guard Kyrie Irving. Apparently, the Lakers, though, maybe have some interest. Here's the problem, according to Woj, is that Brooklyn isn't believed to have an interest in what the Lakers could potentially be offering on a sign-and-trade type of scenario. So let's go ahead and break down the situation with Kyrie and the Lakers because it seems like they're the only team in the mix, right? And it seems like I don't know if this is just a negotiating tactic by Kyrie. Like he called up his, you know, his his boy who then wasn't his boy, but I guess is now his boy again in LeBron. And he's like, yo, boss, can you help me out here, you know, and give me some negotiating power against the Brooklyn Nets? Or if it's legitimate, let's team up again. Let's try to win another championship together again. Can you actually see a world? You're much closer to this situation. Again, Nick covers the Brooklyn Nets for ESPN. You're much closer to the Kyrie Irving situation than I am. Can you see a world where Kyrie and LeBron can coexist once again? (laughs) If you're LeBron, you have to hope so, Amber, because what the hell else do you have to go on? Not much. We all saw that Lakers team. They are really bad. That roster is not very good and it's not put together well. But to the point about a potential sign and trade, because Woj has been discussing it the last few days with the Lakers. It sure seems like that's the place where Kyrie has kind of pinned his hopes. So Rob Palenka calls up Sean Marks, the Brooklyn GM. He says, hey, Sean, hey, let's get this thing done. Let's make this work. And Sean Marks says, okay, Rob, what can you offer me? And Rob Polinka goes, well, we got to start with uh, Russell Westbrook. And Sean Marks goes, who? (laughs) (laughs) And Rob Polinka tries to whisper it by one more time. He goes, Russell Westbrook. And Sean Marks goes, no. So that's the reality for where the Lakers are at. Why in the world would Brooklyn take that deal? Because, Amber, as we've discussed throughout the show, if you are taking this type of stance with Kyrie, If you're Brooklyn, as much as you love Kevin Durant and as much as you want to build around him and still try to win a title with him, if you are going to play hardball with Kyrie and you're not bringing him back on any kind of long-term deal, you run the risk of losing KD. And right now, today, it seems like that's a path that the Nets are willing to go down. And if they're going down that path, getting Russell Westbrook and some draft picks back isn't going to make them want to do any kind of deal with the Lakers as we stand right now. Well, I am not taking that deal either if I am the Brooklyn Nets. However, let me try to, I guess, argue the other side of this from the Lakers' perspective. If I'm trying to sell you on it, if I'm Ron Plink, I'm trying to sell Sean Marks on it, I guess what I would say is, listen, I understand Russ maybe doesn't look like the player he once was, but y'all will be able to take care of that. He'll show up for you. He'll show up and he'll play hard, unlike that guy Kyrie Irving that you had on your roster this last season. We'll take Kyrie over here. Now, given you're going to have to pay Russ a little bit more, he's got, what, $41 million this year, except for then he's done. He's an unrestricted free agent in 2023. So you only have to deal with him for one season. And for you to deal with him for that one season, we are going to give you in return, you know, 2027's first round draft pick. 
could it be like something so crazy like 2027 and 2029 right and I think aren't those the two picks that the Lakers have that seems like a lot in return for Kyrie Irving but if you are Brooklyn is it so outlandish to think okay I'll take a future first rounder and one year of Russell Westbrook only one year on an expiring deal even if it's an ugly one I'd still say to both Rob Blink and Kyrie, hey, you want to take 30 million less? Go for it. Right. Do it. Well, and that's the problem is that you can call Kyrie's bluff because the Nets can say, you know what? If you really want to go to L.A., we don't like this deal. Have fun. Like, find your way there. You you do have a means of getting there if you're Kyrie. The means of getting there is opting out of his $36.5 million player option and then signing with Los Angeles for a $6 million taxpayer mid-level exception. That Amber, seems insane. Amber, I think this is crucial to point out. Kyrie in the way in which he handled himself the last two years, but especially in this last season by deciding not to get the vaccine and not being able to play in New York, he burned up a lot of goodwill internally inside the organization. The Nets publicly, especially Kevin Durant, but Sean Marks and Steve Nash in the last few months, they have gone out of their way to defend Kyrie and to say, hey, he made his choice. We just have to stand by it and live with it. And you started to see the ground shake underneath both Kyrie and the Nets. And the tea leaves get to this point when Sean Marks a few weeks ago said what he did, which is in summation, we want guys who want to be here. We want guys that we can count on to deliver for us night after night. They couldn't with Kyrie. And they were so frustrated as an organization in dealing with all the things that came with last year and all the things that Kyrie could have had under his control, but he didn't in making the decision he did against the vaccine, that they're just kind of sick of it. And that part has to get hammered home because usually when you have a star player, especially in the era of the NBA in which we're in, you want to do whatever you can to help that star player both in your organization when you have him on your team or when he's playing for somebody else down the line because you want other star players to want to come play for your team. Kyrie, by doing all the things that he's done the last couple seasons, has wiped out all the goodwill that he had when he initially came to Brooklyn three years ago. It's like when LeBron left Cleveland the first time. As much animosity as there was from Cleveland, they still did a sign-and-trade with Miami to get that deal done. I mean, a lot of stars in the past, you're right. The current team that they're with are like, all right, we'll play ball with you, or we'll consider what trade destinations you want to go to, which is, I would imagine, the sort of respect that maybe they'd give KD if he tried to force his way out of Brooklyn. But Kyrie has burned a lot of bridges. He's left the Nets Mm -hmm. very little reason to do him a solid. And the second he opts in... They have all the power and control. They can send him anywhere they want. They don't have to pay any attention to Kyrie's list, or they can just expect him to show up for work and see what happens and figure it out if he doesn't. So things 
are far from over with this situation with Kyrie Irving and the Brooklyn Nets. Again, he has until Wednesday to decide whether he is going to opt in to his $36.5 million player option. But coming up next, there are some other players around the NBA who are also making decisions about opting in, like James Harden and the Philadelphia 76ers. What could the future hold there? We will unpack that next. This is Canty and Carlin. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Amber Wilson and Nick Friedel filling in for the guys on Canty and Carlin. You can tweet to us at Amber W Sports at Nick Friedel. You can also give us a call, triple eight say ESPN. We have been talking a lot about the NBA today, Nick, but we've been talking mostly about Kyrie Irving because, of course, Kyrie Irving dominates the NBA. There are other free agents out there that maybe there are, are on the move. There Come are. Now. There actually are. So we can unpack <laughs> all of that with our next guest, Kevin Pelton, ESPN NBA writer. He right now has a piece on the dot com about NBA free agency, the most impactful decisions of this upcoming summer. And Nick, your article does extend far beyond Kyrie Irving, shockingly, but Guess where I have to start with you? I have to ask you about this Kyrie Irving situation. How do you anticipate that this is going to play out? I mean, I feel like a week ago, you know, I would have said, okay, the Nets and Kyrie, they're going to figure this out because, you know, as much as they may not be able to find uh, a happy medium right now, both sides have too much to lose, whether it's in Kyrie's case, the fact that it doesn't look like it is Woj reported today. There's that sign and trade out there. So, you know, his threat is really, I'm going to take the $6 million tax mid-level exception from the Lakers and give up $30 million this year. And from the net standpoint, obviously, as we know, the, the implication of, you know, does, if Kyrie does leave and they get nothing in return, what does that mean for Kevin Durant's future in Brooklyn? So, like I said, it it seems more plausible now that we could be headed to one of those, you know, one of those scenarios, the mutually assured destruction. KP, that (laughs) there's always destruction. (laughs) If we've learned anything (laughs) with Kyrie and the Nets, it's it's always a matter of time before that happens. But it leads me nicely into the Kevin Durant part of this. You have been around Kevin and you've covered the league a long, long time. You've seen what's gone on here in recent days in Brooklyn. 
if Kyrie leaves, do you expect Kevin to follow? I mean, I feel like it, it comes back to part of that question of does he leave for nothing or are they actually able to find a sign and trade where maybe the Nets improve their depth and Durant can believe, okay, we got Ben Simmons coming in this year. You know, we've got some new guys, so we're not being rely, forced to rely so much on, on kind of unproven young players in a playoff setting. Like, maybe then you can talk yourself into, you know, hey, I, I'm Kevin Durant. I, I can lead these guys deep into the playoffs. If it's Kyrie leaving for nothing, I feel like that, that gets a lot harder to talk yourself into. And all of a sudden, that's when you have the serious question about, you know, where is my future going to be? Kevin Pelton, ESPN NBA writer. All right, Kevin, for the love of goodness, let's talk about somebody not named Kyrie Irving. There is another a large name out there who has to decide whether he is also going to opt into his player option by Wednesday. That is James Harden. He's got a $47.4 million player option that he could opt into. I know there's this idea out there that him and Daryl Morey are buddies, so maybe they could be working something out. What is going to happen here with James Harden and the Philadelphia 76ers? Yeah, I think it's an interesting question because unlike the Brooklyn situation, there's no indication that these two sides are on different pages. I, I think it's more a question of how are they going to structure James Harden's next contract? Because there's a few different options there. He could pick up the you know, $47.2 million player option and they extend off of that. Or he could decline the option, become a free agent, and sign a contract that's maybe a little bit smaller this season, but uh, guarantees him more money in years down the road. That's what we saw happen with Chris Paul last season to you know, work with Phoenix and come up with a deal that was favorable for both sides. In Philly's case, I do think it probably still makes the most sense for them to extend off that player option because uh, you know they're looking at potentially paying the repeater luxury tax next season, and Joel Embiid's salary is going to jump up because he's a super, super Max extension that he signed last summer. So I think if you have Harden at the bigger number this year and the smaller number in 2023-24, that's probably the best outcome for Philly. But, uh, you know, we'll see what they come up with together. KP, where does Bradley Beal ultimately land? I mean, you know, we saw the reporting from Woj last week, and it's very likely that he'll opt out and re-sign with the Wizards. They can offer him the five-year deal, more money than anyone else. You know, he's kind of has been very loyal to the Wizards over a period of time, wasn't willing to sign an extension this time around, but, you know, still still not, you know, asking for a trade or anything else. So I, my expectation is we're going to see him back with the Wizards on that five-year Supermax deal. Let's talk about Zach Levine uh, with the Chicago Bulls for a minute. Uh, maybe the the Bulls should have uh, taken the opportunity to extend him when they could. Uh, they didn't. So now he is looking at a max deal as an unrestricted free agent, though the team has the ability to offer a fifth year still. Uh, that could, of course, provide the Bulls a significant edge here. How do you see this one playing out with Zach Levine? Yeah, it doesn't seem like there's been a lot of talk about him going elsewhere. You know, it's kind of the same issue, not exactly with Kyrie, but you, you do see a similar issue in terms of, look, the teams that have a lot of cap space this summer aren't necessarily teams that are desirable destinations unless the Knicks could create a lot more cap space. I, so I think Levine stays in Chicago, you know, gets the bag from them, and just kind of negotiations end up being more about, you know, player option on the fifth season. He's eligible for a no-trade clause trade bonus, things like that, more so than, you know, I think both sides probably agree he's a max player. Okay, Mr. Pelton, speaking of max players, DeAndre Ayton, <laughs> the Suns could have locked up that deal. They didn't. What do you think ultimately happens with Ayton 
in his potential future in Phoenix? It's fascinating because you assume that there's going to be a max offer out there for him, but it's it's not entirely clear where that's going to be from. I mean, San Antonio maybe, you know, Detroit just added Jalen Duran last week in the draft, so that took that from a scenario where you know it seemed like kind of an obvious offer sheet at the max for Aiden to something like, you know, something more of a question mark. And there's been some reporting that they might be out of that pursuit. So he, he's got to find that max offer sheet first and, you know, force Phoenix to make a decision over it. If they can't find a sign-in trade before that, I think if you're Phoenix, you just have to match it and find a way to trade eight and later because he's going to still have trade value even at that max salary. But, uh, you know, I don't think it's necessarily the, the, the offer sheet of the max is not necessarily the slam dunk that I think Aiden was hoping it would be when he turned down that extension. Kevin Pelton, ESPN NBA writer. Kevin, thanks for joining us and talking uh, a player other than just Kyrie Irving. That was nice. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what other players do eventually dominate the headlines if we, if they can get past Kyrie over the next few days. No kidding. Uh, I, I don't have much hope. But uh, thanks, Kevin. Thanks for joining us. Coming up next, we are also going to take a little break, a mini break here from talking about Kyrie Irving. Let's talk some puck. Nick, the Avalanche, they defeated the Tampa Bay Lightning in game six, two to one to, of course, win the Stanley Cup. Could we see the making of another dynasty in the NHL? What happens going forward for both of those teams? That's next. This is ESPN Radio. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network. All lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
Judge drove a three-run homer in the 10th inning yesterday for his second walk-off hit against the Astros in just four days, Nick. And New York recovered after nearly being no-hit for a second consecutive game. They beat Houston yesterday 6-3. to three. I was on air during this game, and when they were no-hit through five, it felt like with the Yankees fans back in Bristol that the wheels were falling off. They were so concerned because they had been no-hit the day before, but man, this series with the Astros had all the makings had all the ups and downs and it just goes to show that hey by the way the Yanks they'll be just fine because you know they still have that Aaron Judge guy who right now is easily the best player in baseball Amber every time he knocks another one out I just imagine him running around the bases going (laughs) cha-ching like he knows how much money he's just raking in every single time and if you're a Yankees fan These are when you start to feel like special seasons can happen. It sure feels like that's happening in the Bronx. And the coolest moment to me yesterday was Judge knocking it out and then passing the bat underneath the net to Spike Lee, who's trying to take swings in the stands. I loved it. (laughs) He uh, walked over to the stands, gave his bat to Spike Lee. I mean, it was a script straight out of Hollywood, right? John Carlos Stanton, he ended a historic hitless drought for New York with a one-out 111-mile-per-hour homer in the seventh. So this game had it all, and it reminded us that the New York Yankees seem like they ain't going nowhere, at least as long as that Aaron Judge guy can stay healthy. And that's what this is all going to come down to. And what those cha-chings that you just mentioned come down to, too, because the way Aaron Judge has been playing this season, his best season, means that that man is about to get paid with something with a three in front of it. I mean, that, that man's about to get paid well over $300 million in the offseason after the World Series because he bet on himself, and it worked out. He, he bet on himself, frankly, this season. He was going to push things to arbitration. They never got there. He settled with the Yankees like hours before the arbitration Zoom hearing would have begun, uh, $19 million this season. But he ain't making $19 million next season. He's going to be making a lot more than that, Nick. And it feels like the pinstripes are the ones who are going to have to pay it. Amber, he's like Donald Duck swimming through the gold coins right now. I mean, it's, <laughs> yes. it's, it's all over the place. With Judge, I can't remember a pro athlete having this gigantic of a walk year where he said, I don't want all that money, I want more, and he has backed it up day after day after day. It's a bold thing to do for a player that availability has been such a problem, frankly, and that health has been such a problem. And to bet on yourself and then go out and follow it up with the best season of your career so far. Good on Aaron Judge. Amber Wilson and Nick Friedel filling in for the guys on Canty and Carlin and ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. You can always tweet to me and Nick at Amber W Sports. That's me. At Nick Friedel, that is him. We haven't gotten to talk much puck yet, Nick, so let's go ahead and get our puck talk in on today's show because Kyrie Irving has been dominating the headlines today. And, of course, Nick Friedel covers the Brooklyn Nets for ESPN. But we cannot forget that the Colorado Avalanche did win the Stanley Cup last night. They also damaged the Stanley Cup. We will get into that at some point on today's show. Before we do, though, let's bring in Greg Wyshynski, ESPN's senior NHL writer. And, Greg, you know, all the credit in the world goes to the Avs here Explain to me, though, how they were dominant in this series, because I thought that the Lightning had the better goaltender, and I thought that is what typically made the difference here, and the Avs were pretty dominant last night. 
Well, first off, as a New Jersey Nets fan, I understand. I get it. It's cool. There's a pecking order. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, listen, it, it, it's one of those things in hockey where, um, yeah, the Lightning had the better goalie, and, and usually the, the, the team with the better goalie is going to win the, the series. But what the Avalanche showed in games one and two of the series and then in game six is that all they needed was their goalie, Darcy Kemper, to make the basic rudimentary expected saves and they were going to take business, take care of business in front of them. And that's what we saw in game six. Um, in the third period of that game, the Avalanche were as dominant as they were at any point in this series, controlling play, playing really well in front of Kemper, protecting him. All he had to really do was make one key save against the key to Kucherov, and they were going to be okay. And i got to tell you, like, I think the key to the series, to be honest with you, is the Avalanche weren't ready for the moment in game five to win in front of their family, win in front of their fans, win in front of their city. It was too much for them to handle. They hadn't been there before. The Lightning have. Game six on the road, you strip away a lot of those pressures, and the Avalanche looked a lot more calm and collected than they did in game five. Mr. Wyshynski, following up on that, now that the Avalanche have gotten to the top, with McKinnon and McCarr in their 20s, do you feel like, the Avs can be what we just saw the Lightning become over the last few years. Well, Kale McCarr really captured the spirit of the thing before the series. He said the Lightning were a team trying to establish a dynasty, and we're the team trying to start a legacy. And you're right. I mean, given the ages of their core and given the fact that they are going to be able to keep these guys together in theory for a few years now, it's entirely possible that the torches have been passed from one team that has challenged for the cup for the better part of, of several years. Keep in mind, you know, we, the, the Lightning are a team that lost in the cup final to Chicago, you know, uh, seven years ago. They've been in, in several conference finals. They've now been in four Stanley Cup finals, winning twice. That's a dynasty, in my opinion. And if you look at the Colorado Avalanche and not only the age of their core, the talent of their core, and the talent of their management team to go out and find pieces to surround that core, I, I think there's every chance that they can be a team that does win multiple cups in the next few years. It's going to take some sacrifice. Like Nathan McKinnon is due for a pretty big raise uh, in his contract in short order. He's going to have to look at what the star players in the Lightning make, what his uh, friend Sidney Crosby makes with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Know he has to take a little bit less in order for them to build around him and have the cap space to do so. If they do that, I think there's no reason why the Avalanche can't be back here in multiple seasons after this one. Greg Wyshynski, ESPN senior NHL writer. So the Lightning, they don't win this one, but they were just in it uh, three times back-to-back, right? But Stamkos, <laughs> Hedman, McDonough, they are all in their 30s. So it pains me to ask this question, but I guess I have to. Like, are we – you called it a dynasty, which I would agree with you with the Lightning. I think that we're already there, frankly, even though they didn't win the Cup this time. Are we at the end of it, though, Greg? See, that was my favorite thing about last night from the Lightning perspective was from Steven Stamkos to their coach, John Cooper, the message was, this is not the end. This is a loss. And, and it's a loss, by the way, in a series in which they didn't have one of their best players, Braden Point, a star player. He was injured, um, played the first two games, could not finish the series because he was so banged up after suffering a lower body injury in the first round. Um, the injuries to players like... Anthony Sorelli and Nikita Kucherov and, and, and others on this team, which will come out in the next couple of days, are, are pretty significant. The fact that they pushed as far as they did with those injuries is pretty impressive. And 
I think they got one more run in them. You know, a lot of this core is under contract for next season. They have one key player, Andre Palat, who was an absolute hero for them in the last two rounds. That's a free agent. They're going to have to figure out something there and, and also create a little cap space. But I, I fully expect that they're going to push and, and make another go of it next season. Um, and, yeah, I mean, like – three cups in four years. <laughs> it's not three in a row, but it would be pretty darn impressive. And I think the Lightning still very much have their eyes on the prize and thinking that they can make one more or, or two more runs of this thing um, before they have to start uh, wondering if the window is closed. Greg, speaking of impressive, I've got a couple diehard hockey friends that all <laughs> love to tell me in the last couple of weeks just how incredible this run was for the Lightning. How would you put it into context against the great teams like the Oilers and the 80s Islanders, given what they've done in this cap era? Well, their coach, John Cooper, said last night that this team should be mentioned in the pantheon of the dynastic Islanders and those Wayne Gretzky Oilers teams from the 1980s. And I don't think he's wrong. They were trying to become the first NHL team to three-peat since 1983. And like I said, when you think about the salary cap era in the NHL, which has gone on since 2005, um, the only other team that's won two in a row is, is the Pittsburgh Penguins in that era. And for the Lightning to have pushed farther than anybody else, there have been other teams that have won two in a row. No one has then gone on to play for a third straight Stanley Cup until the Lightning did it. Um, the conference finals appearances, the Stanley Cup finals appearances, the fact that it's all been done with the same core of players I truly believe this is a dynasty, and I truly believe that we're going to look back at this team as one of the absolute special teams in the history of the NHL for having accomplished this, not only at a time when the salary cap constraints mean that you've got to manage your, your roster the way that they have, but also, like, hockey's really great right now. <laughs> like, the goalies are great, the teams are great, the players are great, the speed is fast. And to be able to win this war of attrition for three straight seasons, and, and keep in mind, three different playoff formats because of the pandemic um, is unprecedented and, and, and really a, a compliment to how great this team has been. All right, Greg, we've got the hockey historical context in place. We've got about a minute left. Who is the Kyrie of the NHL? <laughs> I don't know if there really is one. That's a great question. Uh, I mean, the thing about the NHL obviously is like, it's, it's kind of less of a, of a star centric sport. Um, than the NBA, but, but then, you know, you start to see what's happening in this era and that might be changing. Like you think about a guy like Nathan McKinnon on the avalanche last night. Um, he didn't win the con Smythe as playoff MVP, but he's the guy that drives the bus. And when they needed a star performance, he had a goal and an assist in a game in which they won two to one, the way that the NHL has trended towards offense. I think you are going to see more of a star centric lead, more, you know, individual players, having an influence on these games and on these playoff runs. And, and at the end of the day, like, that's the great thing. That could be the, the best thing for hockey. It's like they should have players that are synonymous with these teams versus having the teams maybe being more famous than the players. Yeah, maybe just not uh, the Kyrie Irving type comparison. Greg Wyshynski, ESPN senior NHL writer. We're up against it. Greg, thanks so much for joining us. 